Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live, the digital revolutions in full swing. And we are digging into it to see how it's affecting the business world. And all of that, of course, which touches our personal lives. So one of our wonderful monthly guests, Bonnie Tinder, is with us today. Bonnie is the founder and CEO of Raven Intel, a peer review site that helps business customers understand the experiences that other businesses have had with the software providers and with the partners who work with them. Bonnie, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Bonnie, it's always great to see you. Um, gosh, there's so much going on these days. And I think the, uh, the, the work probably that you're doing with Raven Intel to help guide businesses through these extraordinarily you know, fast-paced and strategic uh, software installations, uh, boy, the, the, the world needs you now more than ever, Bonnie. So many projects happening. I mean, there's been an explosion of digital transformation happening this year. And um, so, yeah, projects certainly are uh, top of mind for so many companies. Well, Bonnie, it looks like you've got some good perspectives about people today, pe the, the people in these projects. And uh, uh, I feel like I'm in a, a psychology class here, um, looking into the backgrounds of some of the different characters who come up. So this should be fascinating. I'd love to turn it over to you. And I know at the appropriate moment, you'll, as you always very elegantly do, weave in the uh, thought for the day, thought for the week on the board behind you. That's right. That's right. Well, I promise I will not give you any Myers-Briggs or um, <laughs> any of any Rorash Jazz or anything like that um, in All the right. course of this uh, session. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea that I really want to talk through today is, um, is one about people. And, you know, these digital transformation projects are, are made or broken in some cases by the people and by the team that's responsible for the initiative. So I thought it might be helpful to talk about, um, you know, 10 types of people that you're going to meet on every project. And this is a perspective that I've had, um, you know, having been in this industry for the last 25 years and been on so many projects myself, um, both as a team member and having led uh, several initiatives as well for companies that I've worked for. And, um, you know, as Bob and I were talking earlier, I mean, this is something that I like I, I can do without a single note because so much of uh, the success of a project is going to boil down to good people management. You know, while you might be managing a project um, as a project leader, maybe you're the executive uh, sponsor for a project, there are certain types of people that you're gonna find. And while you might not directly manage them, you didn't hire them, sometimes you didn't even want them on the team in the first place, you still need to work with them and get them productive to make sure that your project goes. So I thought we could talk through, um, you know, I, I came up with 10 sort of types of people that you'll encounter. There are so many more and it'd be fun to have a discussion, um, you know, at some point with anybody who's watching this um, about any additional ones that, that we didn't talk through today, so. Well, Bonnie, that sounds great. You know, I noticed too in your notes, uh, you said, you know, you're going to offer maybe some insights about the significance of either, you know, managing some of these people more fully into the project or in some cases managing them out. Yes. And I'd also love to know, are these, uh, it sounds like these people 
don't, uh, they don't remain, it's not a mystery to figure out what role each person's playing, right? These personalities emerge pretty clearly. For sure. And so for each type of person, I thought I, I would give, you know, how you can spot them, why they're important to the team or why they're going to be damaging to the team and then what to do about it. So how, what to assign them, how to motivate them and things like that. So those are the three things I'll talk about with each, each person type. Um, and and I, I broke these into two categories. The first five are going to be your stars. These are going to be the ones that are going to make sure that the, or these are going to ensure, these types of people are going to ensure your project is great. And then I also have uh, the, the laggards, which there are five personality types or five traits. Um, it's not personality types. It's, it's you know, uh, the what you'll spot on a project. And one of the things I, I want to be clear about is that um, you might have A players on your team that are A players in their particular job, but for this particular project, they're not going to act like an A player. They might not be helpful. Conversely, you might have somebody who's a B player or even a C player who is going to be a superstar and really make the project sing. So it, these are more traits on a project than they are overall or overarching personality or uh, you know business types, but um, yeah. So so there, there are things that that you'll be able to spot, and we'll talk about. Okay. Um, and so so this first category are your stars, and so I think number one um, would be the ambassador, and the way that you spot your ambassador is they're the person who's excited about the project and they're telling everybody about it. Um, and they're excited they were assigned this project. They see as, this as a, as a way to shine internally. Um, they're gonna be the first to post about the Go Live badge on LinkedIn. Um, they're also gonna be the ones that are gonna help get the message out informally to the troops. Um, so they're really important on that project. They're also the ones who are gonna be rolling up their sleeves. It's not like they're just talking about it, they're actually doing something on the project as well. And why they're important is that they're gonna help communicate that project internally and generate excitement and buzz, which is what you want. Um, you know, for this type of person, you wanna assign them tasks that involve communication, outreach, as well as um, user adoption or user acceptance. They're perfect for roles like this on a project. The second type would be the up and comer. And your up and comer, the way you spot them is that they might not have previous experience on a project. Um, you know, they might be younger in their career, um, but they see this opportunity and being on the project as an opportunity to grow um, and, you know, add a successful digital transformation to their resume. So they have a good attitude. They're coming in with sort of fresh eyes, which is great. And why that's important is that they're going to bring a different approach. They're open to new ideas. And they also are going to roll up their sleeves and contribute and make sure that they, um, they get their task done. And what you can do with a person like this, the up-and-comer, is assign them, number one, a mentor on the team so that you, um, you know, can make sure somebody is helping them, you know, guide them along because the, they don't have all that experience you know, expertise and experience. Um, and you want to assign them tasks that are important and time consuming, but don't necessarily require a lot of previous experience. 
So that's your up and comer. The third type is Mr. or Ms. Checklist. And the way that you spot this person is that they're the ones who are managing the blueprint uh, and you know, creating the meeting calendar. They're the ones who have the, um, the, the Gantt chart um, all filled out and they know exactly who is doing what. Um, why they're important is that they will help keep everybody on track and they'll make sure that um, they are, you know, coming to meetings and everybody is, has reminders and things like that. This is an important role, even though it's, you know, administrative and some, you know, in, in some function, it's still very critical because project management, even if it's a digital transformation, you know, at the end of the day is, is a thousand small tasks that add up to a huge one. And um, so, you know, you want to assign a person like this uh, the meeting planning, agendas, the task checklist, um, reminders, and things like that, that might get lost with, you know, giving it to your ambassador who's, you know, too busy telling everybody about how great this project is. So, uh, you know, really important to have a Mr. or Ms. checklist on, on, the, on the team as well. And then my fifth and uh, final one of my, my stars that you want is uh, the progressive historian. And the progressive historian, I'm sorry, I have two, two ones, two, two additional. So the progressive historian is, they're the person who has been around for years. They know how everything has been done, the good, bad, the ugly, why projects have gone well, why they have gone south. And they have all the history behind why things were done, you know, the old way. Um, on the other hand, they're progressive. They're a progressive historian. That means that they are open to change and they love this idea of reinvention and making things better. So it's great to have the historian, but you want to make sure they're the progressive historian because sometimes the historian just wants to keep it the old way. So you want the both sides there. And um, you know, it's a really important to have the context of you know, why were things done that way you know, 10 years ago? Because they know what's going to need to be kept in place um, for things like compliance and you know all of those those things that you need to make sure that you put into the new system. With that person too, the historian would also be able to help steer things in the direction. So culturally, you can be aware of this is uh, one of the the types of our culture we'd like to ensure that survives this project, or maybe this is something part of the culture that needs to get buried. Without a doubt. And they're going to know how things work politically as well. And, you know, who the stakeholders with a really credible voice are and, and they can help guide that. And, you know, you're up and comer and your, uh, you know, your ambassador might not necessarily know those things, but the progressive historian will. Um, and then the last person, and I always enjoy this particular role on a team myself is the fun sheriff. And um, it, they're easy to spot because they're easy to bring be around. They bring levity to the group, uh, particularly in tense situations. They're very likable. Um, you want to make sure that they're, you know, you want to make sure that they're fun and they're going to make sure everybody has fun, but you don't want them also to be sort of the class clown. You, you want the fun sheriff that actually knows what they're doing too. Um, but they're so critical to have on a project because um, 
you know, that really makes people, you know, feel good about the project. It makes them enjoy it. Nobody wants to be part of a dull, miserable project experience. And the fun sheriff can help bring that sort of needed levity and, and joy to a situation. Um, and, you know, what you would want to assign to somebody like them is team building, um, you know, the milestone celebration activities. And it's important to celebrate, especially if you have a big, long project, the milestones along the way. And your fun sheriff can really make sure that everybody feels good, um, it, you know, about being a part of the team as well offer us word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com A-game. So Bonnie, those are the stars. Tell us a little bit about uh, the crew you gotta watch out for. Yes, and so there are five of these as well, and um, so you want to watch out for these. And you know, at the, you know, your best case scenario is turning these type of folks into your stars. So there's ways to do that. Um, but if you, if it becomes clear, and this is one of the, one of the things I really want to stress, if it becomes clear that you're not able to. Um, make them into a star or change their sort of behavior, it's better to realize these team obstacles early on or your people obstacles early on and switch out your team members before they're on the team too long and then knowledge transfer becomes an issue and things like that. So spot these things early. And if you need to make a team member change, do it quickly. It also makes it a lot easier just from a, a you know, person, you know, a, a personal perspective or emotional perspective, nobody wants to feel like, oh, I got kicked off the team or something. So yeah. do it early. Um, so number one, and we all know people like this, are, are, is the invisible miracle. These are the ones who will not be involved with the project. They won't show up to meetings. They'll always have an excuse why they're late or their stuff isn't done. They talk, but they talk a big game about wanting to be on the team. The time that you will see them though is when it's time to claim credit and get their name attached to a successful project. So um, you know what's what's the, the damaging about somebody like this is that it demotivates the rest of the team, and it can certainly cause delays because things that they said that they would do aren't done or they're done sloppily or, or not. Uh, done with the amount of um, you know thought and time that, that should be put into a their particular task areas. And a way to manage you know this type of person is to pair them up with Mr. or Mrs. Checklist, and um, you know to really make sure that if you're very clear on what the expectations about what their project assignments are, and then hold them to that throughout the project, you know, if they're not showing up to meetings or they're late with, um, you know, tasks assigned and things like that. So Mr. and Mrs. Checklist can make it very clear as to you're on target or you're not and sort of get uh, through the, well, why aren't you showing up to meetings with, with some written, um, how should I say, accountability. Yeah. Uh, the second type of person is 
Debbie Downer or Don Downer. And they're easy to spot as well because they're the folks who, um, you know, say things like, we've always done it this way, or, you know, they have a problem for every solution. And they don't necessarily look at, um, you know, the, the challenges within the project as opportunities to reinvent and, and change. They look at this, you know, being signed as a, a project um, as a real downer, right? Just some extra work for them. And what the damage that can be done by somebody like this is that it's gonna stifle your innovation. It's gonna derail the project because, you know, typically people like this will make a mountain out of a molehill. Talking about why something can't be done as opposed to working on a creative solution or reinventing or re looking at the problem from a different lens. Um, they too demotivate the, the team. So you wanna manage them by pairing them up with um, people like the ambassador or the progressive historian. The progressive historian is sort of the flip side of Debbie Downer in that they know how things have been done, but they're progressive and wanna see change as well. So getting them linked up with somebody who's gonna sort of bring them up um, is, is good. Or if you can't bring them up, then bring them out or take them out. Um, the num number three uh, person that you want to watch out for is the person who overpromises and underdelivers, and they too are very easy to spot because they will talk a big game on um, all of the tasks that they are going to get done, and also, you know, in some cases, be unrealistic about the time frame that they can do it in as well. Um, and the, um, you know, the, the damage that somebody like this can do is cause delays because their assignments aren't going to get done on time or they're not going to get done to the level um, that is needed for accuracy. And so um, they too need to be paired up with Mr. and Mrs. Checklist um, so that they understand very clearly what they're committing to get that in writing and get it on calendar. Um, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, problems can be solved through good documentation and a good project blueprint where people have, you know, exactly what they're needing to contribute and by when. Um, again, that sounds like simple, but oh my goodness, this, you know, these type of things end up sort of snowballing and the over-promiser um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, has overpromised all these things, and all of a sudden, your project is three, six, nine months behind, and not only are you late, but you're racking up extra costs at the same time. So you want to really make sure to sort of nip this person in the bud. You know, with a number of these people, it sounds like the I don't know. I mean, the uh, you 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 come up with this, you know, very creative and you know potentially very successful idea about how you try to manage them, pair them up, and you've given some great ideas about how to do that. But um, is there a benefit at the beginning to just identifying the, you know, the five not so great contributors here and just getting them off from the from the outset? Or is this part of the inevitable way that these things work, right? You, you're too far into it and, and these people sort of show their spots. As much as you can control your team from the, you know, from the recruiting of your team, who gets assigned and things like that, 
you want to make sure that you're handpicking the team and that you're getting the A team to begin with, with a whole bunch of people who are committed to the project itself. That is like your best case scenario. Does that always work? Hardly ever, because you know what ends up happening with these projects is like your A team, you know, is like who you would like or your dream team, but then that person is too busy or, oh, they're gonna go out on leave or they just got assigned a different project um, or got promoted into a different area within the company. I mean, all of these things, you know, the organizational dynamics have a lot to do with that as well. So sometimes you're, you're gonna wish that you had, you know, a certain person, but you're gonna get um, their colleague who might, you know, struggle more. And, you know, it's just, it's just sort of like the, um, the, the, the hand that you're dealt that you need to work with as much as you can. And if you can't work with that hand, you know, you got to fold and, and, and get somebody else in there. Um, yeah, and so, so speaking of organizational change, that brings me to the fourth one, uh, the fourth type of person. And that's the Mr. or Mrs. Ms. Uh, one foot out the door. And this is somebody who gets assigned to your project because they're, uh, you know, top talent, which is great. But uh, lo and behold, they have their eye on some other either job within the company or externally, they're going to go and, and do something else. And what's important about somebody like this is that it's almost worse to have an A player who's going to leave the project like one month in um, than getting a B player who's going to contribute consistently. A new job a month away, um, you know, that's just not, you're not going to know that necessarily, but you we might be clued into that if they're distracted during meetings, they don't seem engaged, or um, in some cases, what I've seen is like, they're the person who's like, oh yeah, they're like super positive about it. I'll take that on. Oh, we can do that. Knowing that there's no way that they're actually going to do that. They're going to wait to somebody else after they leave the business to, you know, to assign it to them. And so they're going to be Mr. Ms. Positive. If somebody's overly positive, you might, I mean, you might clue in like, are they really committed here for the long term? They might be on their way out or way to a different role. So um, you, you want to manage this by sort of spotting this early. Don't assign them the critical tasks that you're going to be left high and dry if they leave. Um, and you want to like have those side, uh, you know, confidential sidebar conversations to make sure that they're truly committed. Um, and ask them directly, you know, this project is going to be nine months long. Can you commit to, to being a part of this for the next nine months? Um, I mean, obviously, they're going to, that's still not going to provide any guarantees. But if you have that direct conversation, if you have something in your gut that tells you, oh, they might be out uh, leaving, um, it, you know, it, it would at least um, help somebody if they were honest about it to say, hey, no, I don't. Um, and then the final one is <laughs> the person that's, I'm only here for snacks or because I was given this assignment. And this person too is really easy to spot because they're going to show up for meetings. They will be there to check the box and, and to say, hey, I'm present. Um, but they're not going to participate in meetings. They're not going to contribute to email. They'll be super silent. And the, the damage that somebody like this um, can do is that they'll demotivate the team because they're just along for the ride and eventually they're going to get credit 
where credit is due. Not that like they're like, oh, you know, give me the credit, but you know, just by being on the team, you don't need just extra bodies that sit in on meetings and don't do anything either. So you want to um, really manage them by getting their commitment and um, pairing them up with your ambassador who can spur some excitement or you know, pair them up with the up and comer who sees this as an opportunity to grow in their career. And maybe this person then would rethink, hey, well, I just got assigned the project and I didn't really want this, but I could look at it as a stepping stone to learn something more to build my resume, et cetera. So, um, you know, I'm only here for the snacks. You want to make sure that that you're you're getting that person into more of a critical role as opposed to just uh, somebody there who has a pulse. These last five, because I, I think I've recognized some, uh, you know, self traits in there, but uh, one is really fascinating. And you say this cast of characters in one form or another will show up on every project. Without a doubt, and not just digital transformation projects. I mean, you can spot this from, and not just internally, you can spot this with your consulting partner team. Um, you can spot this probably at your software vendor as well. Um, you know, really you look at the dynamics of any meeting and there's going to be some of these traits that come up and, and you'll be able to spot. So hopefully, you know, these are, a little bit, um, you know, helpful, regardless of if you're in a digital transformation project or not. Oh, Bonnie, yeah. I think this has been great. Nano is extremely helpful. And I think it was also entertaining how you went through that. And, you know, you're one of the, uh, you know, friendliest, warmest people in the world. And I think you did a probably a more charitable job of describing the, uh, the second group of five than some people would. But I think that's part of what right, successful leaders do. You're able to understand where you know, not everybody's perfect and how can you try to get that person who would tend toward being a drag on the group? How do you try to get them to be, if, if, if not a star, at least a contributor? You know, and not be motivated, as you've said a couple of times, the other people on the team. That's where things get particularly ugly. And, you know, I, I think the, the other thing to think about too, is like, we've all been team members, um, you know, whether it's on a, a project like this or even volunteer, I think of volunteer organizations that I've been a part of. And, you know, there are times that I've played the negative roles as well, or, or, or found myself like being there, well, I'm only here, you know, because I was assigned this project, not necessarily like super into it. And it's almost like you have to be honest, intellectually honest or honest with your, you know, with yourself and your, your team to say, you know, is it, is it right that I'm occupying space on this team here? Or should I have a frank conversation and say, you know, and see if there's somebody else that would be better suited for it? Or can I get excited about this by, you know, teaming up with that person on the project who really is looking at this as, um, you know, as a way to shine. And I mean, probably that's the, the best case scenario is that you, you, you sort of look in the mirror and make that change uh, yourself. Bonnie, can I tell you uh, just a little personal anecdote that maybe brings this to life some is uh, quite a long time ago at the hair salon where I would get my hair cut, um, the person who had cut my hair for a few years, perfectly okay, but it was a little bit of the Eeyore type of character, right? It was almost depressing. I don't like getting haircuts anyway, so that was tough. And I always noticed there was this one woman on the other end of the salon, one of the stylists, 
she was always fine. Her clients were always laughing. People around her were always laughing. So it took me, I don't know, not five years, but it took me a while to work up the courage to ask her out for a date. And we did. And we got married. That's how I met Wendy. I love that story. That's amazing. That is amazing. And we are all attracted to that person. Yes. Yes. Whether we marry them or we just love being on projects <laughs> with them or working with them. I mean, and that's, that is awesome. It is. It is. And so I think, you know, your, your excellent uh, sayings of the day of the week on the board behind you. It's all yeah. about the people. It's all about the people. And don't be that person who's just there for snacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine to like the snacks, but put a little something into it as well, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Be the well, ambassador. Be Wendy. Yep. 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 Well, Bonnie, thanks a million. Uh, it, it's always a treat to talk with you. And I think that, uh, you know, this was so important for a lot of reasons. One of which is, you know, uh, we forget sometimes in this world that is, uh, it seems increasingly more dependent on or revolving around technology. It is come, it does come down to the people. And this was a very interesting and informative way of talking about the 10 types of people you'll find on every project. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's a treat. Likewise. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. I think we've understood a little more here about uh, human psychology, human behavior, and I'm sure we'll find lots of ways to use that in our lives, either in a project or getting married. Who knows? Thanks for being <laughs> with us. We'll see you next time.